It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. One, El Presidente, a conversation with the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. Two, Somalia first meets America first, the treason of Congresswoman Elon Omar. Three, post-game film session with the boys on Dave Portnoy. It's the Will Kane Show streaming live at foxnews.com and at the Fox News YouTube page. On demand in video, Will Kane Show on YouTube and in audio format wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. Go hit subscribe on any of those given channels and get the Will Kane Show whenever you like. We've got a big show today coming up. We're going to talk about Ilan Omar saying it goes Somalia, then Muslim, then American in her order of priority. We'll break down as well story number one, which we will begin right now with the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. Story number one. What's up, Dave? How's it going? Glad to have you here on the Will Kane Show. Um, You make me a little nervous. I never had you pegged for a show up early guy. You've been waiting like 10 minutes for this show to start live, but I guess I should have known when I saw the videos of you reentering Barstool and showing up and not seeing anybody at 8 a.m. in the New York offices. You're a grinder, man. You show up early. Yeah, I'm always an early guy, especially when you do these Fox things. They usually do like the testing for about 10 minutes, tell you where to sit, all that jazz. But yeah, I'm always an early person. You know, I was thinking about you. I don't know how you do this, but because I filter every sports viewing fandom issue through the prism of being a Dallas Cowboy fan. I root against anybody that threatens the legacy of the Dallas Cowboys. So I will, like, for example, always root against the San Francisco 49ers. I don't want as many Super Bowl appearances. I don't want the same number of Super Bowl wins. Of course, your Patriots superseded the Cowboys. You're kind of painting yourself as a Swifty, but are you going to root for the Chiefs? Because at some point here now, they're going to become a threat to the Patriots dynasty. I put 500 grand on the Chiefs. So, yeah, I'm going to root for the Chiefs. 500 grand on the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's stealing. You don't worry about, look, you've got, you've got, what is it, six? Six franchise Super Bowls? Yeah, we got six. Brady's got seven. So, but I mean, you don't worry, like, Mahomes gets, what is this? This would be number three for Mahomes in like a five year span. I mean, he'll be 28 years old. He'll be well on his way to racking up more than Brady and putting the Chiefs on a path to uh, supersede the Patriots. So you mentioned the Cowboys and the 49ers, and obviously the Cowboys have had a couple different iterations of being good and being in Super Bowls. The Chiefs, to me, the Patriots beat them. Brady beat Mahomes in Kansas City. Um, The Patriots are so bad, I don't really view them as – a rival. I don't view anybody as a rival right now because the Patriots stink. Um, and they're great. I, I can accept greatness. So I, I don't think like I hated the Peyton Manning era. I thought Peyton Manning for a long time versus Brady. It was Peyton Manning this, Peyton Manning that, Peyton Manning's this, that, and the Patriots go beat the crap out of them. That offended me on a personal level. 
The Chiefs are doing it. I felt like I was watching the old school Patriots the other day. Uh, the way that they came out with Kelsey and Mahomes reminded me of Gronk and um, Brady. So I don't feel that. They have a long way to go, by the way. Winning three versus winning six. Um, they're going for three. Two different things. So I'm not threatened by that yet. Maybe they'll change if they get to five. But, you know, they're great. They're great and they're worthy to be starting the conversation are they the next patriots i'm fine with that yes and and you're right three is way different than six but as somebody that is forced to live in the past i have to live in the 90s and then tell stories about the 70s which i didn't get to experience you're you're kind of headed that way and so you're going to start hanging your hat on well we're the greatest franchise in the nfl we have the most super bowls and super bowl appearances and I'm telling you right now, I would start to get worried about the Chiefs. I I don't care if Andy Reid's the coach, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, he's great. But people have just absolutely slept that Joe Burrow is hurt. I think the Bengals are very good when he's back. They beat them. You still Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't have, like, I'm not a Lamar guy. Josh Allen has played great. I think you make a coaching change in Buffalo. They can be in the AFC's loaded. The guy in um, CJ Stroud, I think, is excellent. I'm not there yet. You mentioned the Cowboys. You've had futility since the 90s. We were. I know. Uh, I, I'm still. It's not that long ago that the Patriots are the best team. So we're coming off of it. I've had a couple lean years. I don't know. I don't have that fire of hating the Chiefs. And again, the Chiefs never beat us when it mattered. We beat everybody when it mattered. So um, maybe not the Giants, but th- there's there's no teams that really stick in my craw. So you got there's no teams in the NFL right now that stick in your craw. That you, there's nobody you root against. No, because again, the Patriots are so bad that, and we dominated for so long. There's nobody that I feel like got the best of us. I really like when the Patriots were great. Yes, I had a lot of enemies. A lot. I, I hated Peyton Manning like poison. I hated the Jets because uh what they did to Belichick. Uh, Buffalo was like a little brother. I hated Baltimore. Uh, there were a lot of teams I really hated. But, you know, when you're the worst team in the league, you go from the best to the worst. We don't, there's no, we just, we're in our own world again, just on the opposite end of the spectrum. And now you got half a million dollars in Taylor Swift to root for in in the form of the Chiefs. Hey, what do you make of this thing everybody's saying that the NFL is fixed? Uh, you know, that's garbage. Uh, it, 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 I, they'd be the greatest script writers of all time, but that's absolutely garbage. But you're not someone who has put trust in the NFL in the past. I mean, you're a little bit of uh, someone who's earned some skepticism in the NFL. I well, mean, everyone knows your relationship the, with yeah. Roger Goodell. It was rigged against the Patriots. That's a different story. That, but <laughs> there is not that element like Goodell doesn't, you know, Lamar to the Super Bowl. That's a good story. The Bills to the Super Bowl, unbelievable story with Buffalo. Uh, Kansas City, yeah, they have Taylor Swift going again, but there's no advantage. He obviously, with everything he did with uh, Spygate, the Flakegate, he hated the Patriots, throwing me in jail. He would do anything. There was Roger Goodell, there's no team that he could stand up on the podium, give the trophy to, and be booed roundly like he was with the Patriots, where he had to put you know his tail between the legs and run out of there. So that's different. It he, They tried to cheat against the Patriots, but at now, no. What, what's the agenda? For what reason? 
put more uh, Detroit. Look, Detroit I think would have been a better story. Like what the, the better story for the Super Bowl would be Detroit. I think it's idiocy as well. I mean, if the NFL were fixed, the Cowboys would not be losing in the wild card or divisional round. There are ratings juggernaut, and the NFL would put them in the Super Bowl or at least the NFC Championship game, which they haven't been in in 30 years. But, Dave, the theory goes, Taylor Swift, Super Bowl, massive ratings. By the way, there's an even deeper conspiracy. I think even Vivek Ramaswamy tweeted it out where it puts Taylor in a prime position to then endorse Joe Biden and swing the future of the country. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm a Swifty, and it's insulting to Swifties to act as though she needs the NFL to somehow enhance her brain or brand. Taylor Swift is bigger than the entire NFL, could sell out more stadiums than the entire NFL in other countries. Taylor Swift is a worldwide phenomenon. I love Taylor Swift. She don't need football she like football needs Taylor Swift. Yeah, so they put her in the Super Bowl with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Listen, so they that, need but, Taylor but Swift. But those plays Listen, they I'm giving made, you the voice I mean, of the those, conspiracy. Well, well, you got crazy people all over the world that, that say crazy things. The bigger conspiracy, if you want to get into conspiracy theories, it's not even conspiracy. Is why the NFL doesn't have full time refs. So you've have 65 year old men running at one. One hundredth of the speed of the athletes getting paid basically uh, like a, a grocery bagger at your local 7-Eleven, you're going to have some weird calls. So that I don't know if that's against maybe maybe they like the chaos because you're going to have idiotic decisions, calls all the time when you have out of shape old people refing the fastest game in the world. I do wonder if they sit back. Look, I had a daily radio show on ESPN and Mondays about breaking down awful calls, which is just more content for the NFL. And I do wonder if they've ever sat back and said, you know, net positive, all of this controversy. Maybe, because why else wouldn't you have, it's like, what, a bazillion dollar league and you can't pay full-time officials? It makes no sense. Hey, let's go back to the grind for a minute. Um, You being a guy that shows up early, I've, I've wondered this about you, you know, You've told the story of handing out papers in Boston, you, you, you know, the, the origin stories of Barstool. What I'm kind of curious about, and I, I don't know if you've said this or if I just kind of picked this idea up, but the pizza reviews, which are super popular, um, one of your biggest things, I think. I don't think there was a grand plan. I think you've said that before. Like when you started doing the pizza reviews, I don't think you had any vision that it would become what it has become. But when you were founding Barstool Sports, brick by brick, did you have a vision for what it's become? I'm kind of curious if you're if you're the kind of entrepreneur that sits down with the big vision and then sets about executing that vision or sort of just keeps perpetual motion going until you find success. Perpetual motion. There was definitely no grand plan. I think I'm sure there's some entrepreneurs who have a grand plan. They're, I would guess they're few and far between. There's probably far more entrepreneurs who are full of crap and say they had a grand plan of what they expected um but in my world we started as a newspaper and then you know the internet wasn't really humming so there was no way to predict it people still ask me where do i see barcelona in five years well during the course of running barcelona i didn't know my space would exist dating myself facebook tiktok instagram everything so how can you ever know where you're going to be in five years when you don't know what the next six months is going to bring everything changes the biggest advantage there's a bunch of things right place right time right guy but we've been nimble 
just nimble. We're not stuck in right. our ways. Um, and a lot of networks that we've competed against are the opposite. They're stuck in their ways, old school, older. Uh, I'd like to say we're like one of the first true digital media companies. And we've just reacted quickly and been able to maneuver. And, you know, I, I think if people ask me what is the best compliment you can give to Barcelona Sports, we've managed to stay cutting edge, cool, if you want to say it, for like 20 years. Very hard to do for a media company. Eventually, yeah. you get stale, get old, and the next new guy comes. Um, maybe thanks to Roger Goodell, thanks to whoever, we've managed to stay cool. Well, so when you're when your sort of um, philosophy or at least tactic is stay nimble. So whatever it's going to be, we're going to jump into that and we're going to try to dominate that. That's got to come. That comes with a significant amount of failure as well. I mean, you've got to be willing to fail, pivot, succeed, chase every step of the way. So, like, um, is there a tolerance? Like, is I don't even know. Like. Is the 80% of the stuff you're trying failing? If you're constantly moving and no, 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 no. Pivot this way, pivot that way. Do you ever run the risk of moving on too quick, by the way, Dave? Oh, that that's a failure. And and it turns out, oh, we probably dumped that too quick. Yeah, I, I suppose. Um, like I never thought podcasting would be big. I, I made fun of our guys doing it early. Good for us. They kept doing it and it exploded. So I'm not the end all be all with knowing what works. We also give our talent a ton of freedom. So, you know, I can't think of what other people think of and they can't think of what I think of. And if they hit something, what we're good at, it, it's almost like a band label. We try to find talented people and then say, go do your thing. And we'll support it. We'll give you the resources. And through the years, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's a Pat McAfee, a Caller Daddy, a, a Big Cat, a million dollars worth of game, busting with the boys, myself, whatever it is, they're all radically different. Uh, Jenna Marbles, a lot of people may not even know who that is. She's like the first, like, female YouTube star. She worked for us when she exploded. So it's just finding talent and letting go nuts. So is there, a, when you find talent, and I've used you guys, and I could be accurate or inaccurate with this, but it seems to me the modern day media company is built around, it's like you find three to five tentpole personalities. And those personalities become the media company. And around those personalities, you've got to build whatever it may be, profitable content production warehouses, whatever it is. You know, I mean, like that's the Daily Wire. You can look at three to five big personalities. It's most media companies. You, it's pretty easy to find, you know, the tent poles of, of Barstool. But I'm going to give you an example, and I'm, I'll say this on air. I've said it to you in private. I'm a huge fan, you know this, of Jersey Jerry, right? Yep. I think Jersey Jerry is hilarious. I think he's incredibly talented. I can't believe he started out as a caller on my radio show back at ESPN. But you got to find, like, you take a guy like that and you think, okay, I got to find it, or he's got to find a platform. So, you know, he's got to find what I don't know what's going to be podcast, YouTube show, something. Those personalities have to become part of your business in some way. Yeah. And, and we don't always know what it is. A perfect example I didn't mention the first time around is Caleb Presley. So, Caleb's a wildly talented guy. And he was with us for years before I would say he found his niche, which now he does a Sunday show, Sunday conversation. It's great. Insanely popular. It took years for him to find his thing. Jerry just started this Jerry After Dark, which is him just uh, yeah, basically mutilating himself, I guess, is the way that I would describe <laughs> it. But it's like 
that's wildly successful. So we don't put a time clock. Again, you find, I'd agree with what you said. The analogy I used when uh, I sold Barstool the first time, half of it, we want to be like a new age Saturday Night Live. You find your cast of people, core people, create content. And if a couple people leave, you the, the core is there and you keep looking for new talent. And we've become fortunate that a lot of young comedian, talented people, they want to come. So like Jerry wanted to join and, um, you know, I had to find Caleb, but people send us and we have our pick sort of, of, uh, you know, up and coming people. It's hard now. It gets harder. The flip side of that with social media, a lot of people don't need the network anymore. You can go be successful yourself. So you got to find them young. So by the way, Caleb, and Sunday Conversations is awesome. Um, I don't give gratuitous compliments. I think that's an awesome show as well. Um, let's marry these two conversations we're having about you being nimble and making quick decisions, and then you know you finding these talents and putting them in positions to succeed. So what happened with Barstool Radio? It just didn't do what you wanted them to do, the mission of the show? So yeah, Barstool Radio started. We used to have our own station on Sirius, and I did a daily show. Um, and it was really, it could be anything, but but the thesis of it was insider barstool drama, which we air out. We're very honest. And then we didn't renew a serious and barstool radio basically went away. Um, I became quite a bit more wealthy in the time that we didn't renew. And my interest in doing a daily radio show uh, basically really went away unless somebody was going to pay me so much money. Uh, so we brought it back after I got the company back Started with Kevin Clancy, KFC, who's been with us forever. He stopped doing it, and uh, two new people did it, Kelly Keegs and, and Francis. There was a big controversy in her. This is probably boring people. Big controversy involving Kelly Keegs. She didn't talk about it on Barstool Radio. That's the antithesis of what Barstool Radio is. And you is. fired. I mean, you basically fired canceled or it. you canceled the show. Canceled the yeah. show, yeah. Instant, instant cancel. Why? Why the rash decision? Why so? Well, what, what, if, no if meeting? They, no talking it over? Yeah, no. If they can't figure that out, then they'll never figure it out. There's no, like, it, 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 if you don't get that, you're never going to get it. Versus that patience you talked about a minute ago. Yeah, now Kelly Keegs, Caleb will succeed at. Kelly Keegs is very good at covering Taylor Swift. And people make fun of it. Why are you covering Taylor Swift? Blah, blah. Listen, Taylor Swift is an industry onto herself. So she's very good at that. But that's not Barstool Radio. So she could be successful somewhere else. Caleb Presley was on the original iteration of Barstool Radio. He hated it. Wasn't his bag. Go find something else. She wasn't fired from the company. That show just got canceled. You're right. Some people will probably be bored by the inner dynamics of, of Barstool. I'm curious about it, but I'm also curious. But no, I'm also like always trying to dig a little deeper. I'm, I'm just kind of curious as you, you as an entrepreneur and you as a leader in making decisions. And you said something there. You got rich. Um, I'm curious, like it's easy to grind when you're working towards, you know, this this sort of idea of a promised land, which you sort of reached, Dave, like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're worth. I'm sure at that moment, it seemed like the payoff for the brick by brick handing out papers on the streets of Boston. But now you're back and you find yourself in the same leadership position. I'm kind of curious if it's not hard for you to get back up for the grind. Uh, no, I, 
here's the thing. Before I started Barstool, I had a nine to five. I did sales and I did that for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. It makes you appreciate what Barstool is. So, yeah, it's a grind. You know, we got to we got to live stream football games. We got to we got to talk about things we want to talk about. This is Barstool in a lot of respects. If you can't throw a 98 mile per hour fastball on the black or you can't uh, you know, run a four one forty. This is a dream job. So, yes, I don't have to work anymore. This is not work. It never has been work. It's like we we we. This has been a fantasy trip that I you know you sometimes close your eyes. You're like I can't believe we made it here. So uh, yes, I get it. You got to do the shows. You got to talk about it. It's tough to complain. And that drives me, by the way, nuts about some of my employees. They've never had real jobs. I know what it's like to have a real 99.9% of people who wake up, hate their job, nine to five. They wake up, it's dark out. They get home, it's dark out. They don't like, that's not us. So, you know, oh, shoot, I got to go spend a week in Vegas at the Super Bowl. Young Dave, 25 (laughs) years, would have cut somebody's, you know, head off to have that opportunity. So, it's all relative. What about, uh, in, I'm going to move on to some things outside of the inner dynamics of Barstool in just a moment, but uh, the CEO, Erica um, Nardini, has left. So what's what's the future? Are you going to run Barstool? Are you looking for a new CEO? No, just me. Uh, I'll run it. I was for the first... probably more involved really? than people realized. Yeah. Um, she's there if I need her or questions. Though, here's the benefit of getting to my position. On the way up, you gotta kiss a lot of ass and you gotta be like, okay, these meetings. If I don't want to do something or I don't like it, I don't do it and I don't like it. I'm short, I'm curt. Uh, that probably will be the biggest sea change for Barcelona employees. Erica was great. Open door policy, treated everybody almost like family. You have a complaint, she had a, a ear. Uh, you you have a complaint and you know, go 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 tell tell the wall I don't care so that will be a little <laughs> bit of a difference for people at Barstool. Um, I I really don't have I, if someone wants to complain it won't be to me. What about New York? You're gonna stay in New York? You built this whole big thing in Chicago. So what's the future of New York? We still have the New York office, a lot of people, a lot of business people, content. Chicago's a fun factory that uh, Dan built. I'm in Miami, um, Texas. So I have built my life around the 183 model. So I will get my 183 days here. And then I'll spend a lot of time New York, Chicago. uh, But I could get my 183. But you keep the New York office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I checked in where we have like. We're we're under contract till I don't know like the year four thousand. So yes. <laughs> okay, one more. Uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted to ask you this. So you brought it up. You're rich. Um, hey man, you and I've only met in person once. I don't care. I'm going to ask you the quick questions that make me curious. You look different than you did when you were young, Dave. And what I want to figure out is what you did. Like you You're lost weight fat for Dave sure. Though. You're saying I look yeah. better now. Well, it's not just. Yes, and yes, you look better now. Did you think I was going to say, no, you've really, you've really let yourself go? No, no, I know. It's uh, a well-known yeah. thing. Well, uh, what'd you do? Is this, is this, you got rich and you started eating right and working out? Or do you do an no. HGH? Like, what's going on here? So, th- when I started Barstool, I literally would be at my computer, uh, and, and we blogged. It was a writing world. And I would write 
24-7. I've told this, but I would get Panera for lunch. I would, you know, a Caesar salad comes with a little baguette. I would also get the full baguette and eat the whole thing for lunch and then a pizza for dinner. No exercise. So I was gross. Um, then I was also married. Uh, I got divorced from my ex I'm still like best friends with. Food that was in the kitchen, gone. I started going out because you have to meet people. Adderall. I was taking Adderall, losing my hunger. So the weight went off and it just never really came back. But I don't work really? out. I have a you, bum shoulder. I can't do anything. You don't work out at all? Not at all. You got a private uh, chef? Well, I started hot boy walks. So I'll walk like three miles a day. Um, you've got, you, surely you've got like a private chef making sure you eat right now. No, I, I literally order takeout every day. What about Adderall? You still on Adderall? No, not as much because I've uh, switched into... So I was going out a lot. I went through like a party phase. So I don't do that anymore. So it's early to bed, early to rise. So I would take Adderall if I was out late. I was exhausted. I needed it. If I really need to be sharp, if I feel like I'm about to get into a debate with an enemy, Adderall. Uh, no. Yeah. Keep that thing going oh, quick. Um, speaking of enemies, let's talk about Business Insider and Ackman. It looks like you met um, Wall Street financier Bill Ackman, who's got a vendetta now against Business Insider. They're going after him because he went after Harvard. Yours thing goes back with Henry Blodgett and the reporter who I don't remember her name, um, a Business Insider. Did you, did you meet up with Ackman? Did y'all land, did. launch a grand war plan? Yeah, well, he's brilliant. You meet certain guys and they just strike you as brilliant. I kind of figured he was because I don't know how he writes the tweets that he writes. They're like thesis tweets that would take me two weeks to write. Um, I'm glad he. I'm glad his enemies are my enemies. It, it really, it I, seeing the names that he hates. It's like a bad memory from the past. And you know, I never really business are scumbags. And when I say scumbags, that's way too light. Uh, what they did to me is actually it was eye-opening and scary. It's 0.0.0, not 0.001 truth to anything they wrote, zero. Uh, and they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what they could say, what they didn't. I went the lawsuit route, and I thought I would win. I'm like, there's no way somebody can get away with it. But they used the laws of public figures, defamation, and everything in between. Uh, they all deserve uh, great bodily harm. They really do. Uh, they're the worst people I've ever encountered. And I hope Ackman takes them out. They're a, they're a worthy adversary. And they're everything that is wrong with uh, human beings. But with human beings, I thought you were going to say the media. What I was going to say is um, that attack on you, and obviously in your mind, is the most egregious. But it's not the only one. I mean... I don't even remember. You've probably had, have you had the New York Times and the Washington Post, right? Hit pieces. I think oh, you I've have, had everybody right? under the sun. Everybody. Yeah. So here's what, I'm, why? Why are you a target? Something I've never truly figured out is why we are a target. Because I feel like the things I say and do aren't too dissimilar from what a lot of people say and do. But we are generally the ones that get the headlines. I will say, however it started... I do not apologize if I don't feel like we screwed up, and I certainly don't back up. I lean into it. Like you want to take um, an example would be uh, Deadspin, one of the worst, obviously, publications of all time. There was a, a, a woman yes. there, Laura Wagner, and she hated my guts. She must have talked about me 50 times before I 
acknowledged her existence. And I mean, me stuff. I would say, I actually thought she kind of like was playing along. Like I'm an Adderall, Adderall riddled raisin and all these things, just mean things. And I did a blog that said, any woman who hates me this much, I must, I think I'm in love with and use the clip from George Costanza from Seinfeld. There's Mm -hmm. an exact scene Mm -hmm. where a woman just hates him. He's like, anybody who hates me this much. Well, you take, they then take that as serious and then they print that. And then I respond to it in my tone and on and on we go. Um, So that played a factor. It intensified for sure. When I interviewed Donald Trump, Um, he really hadn't done anything. He's much more like he does a lot of stuff like the Nelk boys and Dana White and all that. He hadn't done as much of that. He was a sitting president when I interviewed him and he breaks people. What year was that? So that was uh, right before the election, probably two or three months before the election. The 16 election. Yes. The one he lost. Yeah. Oh, oh, before 20. I remember when you sat down with him. I just can't remember. So that's the set. That's his reelection campaign. That's 20. And here's why I bring that up. There's two things I want to follow up with on this. You are on an approved hit list, okay? That's what's happened. And I don't know why, but you are. And there are some people in the public sphere who are deemed appropriate targets and some that are not. I am. I will always be. And we. it's pretty easy to figure out why I would be because of my open political leanings, right? Um, you know, well, everybody who believes... Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to... Yeah. I go, I, Tucker, I've been on a million times. So anytime you go on Tucker Carlson, right. regardless of what you talk about, and we don't talk politics when I go on there, um, but, you know, and I've said, I'll go on anybody. Anybody who wants to talk to me, invite but, me But, on, Dave, I think you were... I think you were target before you went on Tucker. Yeah, I think you were target... Sure. I was at ESPN. I remember when Barstool uh, Van Talk, or whatever it was called, was not, you know, came and then was canceled internally. So I, there's something the, the the why doesn't have to do with your political. Here's the thing. I don't know if you're a righty or a lefty. In fact, I want to ask you that. I don't know if you'd answer it. You don't run for many things. But, um, you know, I don't know your political innings. They're certainly painting you because you're on my program right now or you went on Tucker or whatever it may be. They're painting you as a righty. And but I've seen your abortion position as well. So, I mean, what are you? I would I would describe myself as a uh, libertarian is what I, I I'm conservatively I, I'm, I'm financially conservative, uh, socially liberal, but I I also am a people person. I've said this many times. I don't like either candidate we have right now. How having said that, it's a no brainer. I would vote for Trump over Biden. Like, but it, that is not because I think Trump is the perfect guy for the job. Um, I just, I mean, Biden has dementia. I would like, and I think politics stinks in general. Like the first time Trump ran, I was very pro-Trump. I'm like, he'll break politics, the the political spectrum. But I also want someone who's going to unite the country. And he's wildly divisive. Like, I don't don't think most normal people want to live in this country that is wildly, wildly divided. And and I think Trump will win. And I don't think that's going to bring the country together. There's the people who hate his guts no matter what he does. And that's not necessarily, well, you could argue it. You could say it's his fault, not his fault. But I want the country to like each other and get along. So I'm all over the map. Do you see anybody? You can't ask. Is there anybody you like that you think could do that? Uh, Well, I I am trying. Where's my girl? Yeah, people are going to get mad. I like Nikki Haley. (laughs) Really? Yep. I do. Do you think 
okay, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not a big fan. Okay, and everybody's like, oh, well, Will, you're far right. Whatever. I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't know what right and left means. It's, it's a weird spectrum that doesn't explain what somebody believes. Because the idea that Trump is far right is absurd. I mean, most of his positions are some amalgam. Well, most of his positions are things that are some amalgamation of what used to be populist left and some conservative things. But I think there's this mindset, Dave, and I'm and, I, and I'm, I'm the word isn't worried. I'm thinking you're you, you've got sucked in, but you can explain yourself. This mindset that sees everything through a rhetorical lens, and you're not wrong. The country is divided, and a lot of things Donald Trump says seems to inflame those divisions. But what people then react to is, I want something that feels moderate, even if their politics are not moderate. And I don't think Nikki Haley's are. I literally don't think her politics are that moderate. She just got a moderate personality. But that I I, I want to debate that, and I don't always get that deep into. The policies, I think I just said almost the people. What you yeah. just said could be 100% true, but it's not going to change the reaction of the person who is elected, meaning Trump's policies, he could have probably be left at this point. The people who don't like him are never going it to wouldn't like matter. him. He, he has broken no, it wouldn't people's matter. brain. Right. So knowing that, if you want the country to get along, I'm not even policies, whatever. It's the person, and again, you can say it's not, well, what is he supposed to do about that? But that's the world we live in. My dad is the perfect example. I mentioned he hates Donald Trump. When you press him, why, how, what, he doesn't really have an answer. But there's nothing he could do. He he could he could give my dad a thousand bucks. He's like, well, he didn't give me two thousand. Like, and that unfortunately is a lot of the country. So when I say I don't think Trump's the perfect candidate, is not really even. You could replace it. It's like, I want the country to get along. We need to get along and unite. Right. And I don't know that that's possible. Again, and he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to be like, I, I will change what I'm doing, even if he could. And he's like me in that regard. It's like, if you hate me and you've been wrong to me, screw you. I'm not going to go out of my way. But I'm running a media blog. I'm not the president of the United States. So I was going to ask you two whys, and that's kind of interesting you brought him and you together. There's actually some similarities in the personality. This is actually a lot. Do you think there's a lot of similarities between your personality and Trump's? I mean, you, I, I, if I you get on a hit list for see, either of you. Yeah, I can certainly <laughs> see the comparison of, like, if you don't like me, I will not like you 100x back and really go out of my way <laughs> to try to make your life miserable. But again, I'm a media blog. I'm not the president. I, I have no grand responsibility in my mind to unite. You don't like me. I'm going to try to make your life miserable. If you like me, I'll like you back 10 times harder. So I think he has that in him. And I also think he sort of takes the president as, as like a game show. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. So, D Dave, I'm just going to go and follow my curiosity. You tell me when you got to go as well. But th that's what, you know, this has come up before. Like, what you said, if you don't like me, I'm going to dislike you 10 times harder. If you like me, I'll return that, that like, 100 times over. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, it kind of makes a relationship transactional, Dave, right? Like, are there people in your life that you're loyal to regardless of how you feel about them personally? I know that's, of course, everything comes down to are you together or not. You know what I mean? But, like, 
I don't know. Yeah, if I sat here and criticized you, which I would we do have... to your face, Dave. If I had a criticism of you, I would do it to your face. I'm never, I don't believe in stuff behind people's backs, right? And I, I imagine that wouldn't upset you, that if I criticized you to your all. face. But I, I wouldn't think it would. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, this idea that relationships are always built upon, you know, were you nice to me or do you like me? I don't know. I don't know. There's an, some, also it, there's an element of fairness that I should add in. Because what I found is the people who don't like me take a Business Insider, a New York Times, a Washington Post, and I've documented this. They've gone in with an opinion already made of me, and I've offered. Let's sit down. Yes. You can interview me. You can ask me any question you want. I just want the ability to record it so you can't edit what I'm saying. And none of them have taken me up on that offer. And when you're starting the things business insiders accusing me of and the star witness new york times saying is saying let's talk about it i will talk you i I am an open book and they run away from it that makes me hate you if you have a problem with me i don't really care and you're entitled i'm not everyone's cup of tea but if you have a problem with me publicly will trash me and refuse to sit down or address Things about me that you don't like that I think are totally false, lies, proof, that will make me hate you. I think, and this is going to take us back to where we begin this, why are you a target for the media? I don't think it has to, it may now be exacerbated by the fact that you're here, literally here right now, or that you're on Varney, or that you're on Tuck. It may be exacerbated by these things, but to my mind, it predates them. You know, I saw it before. And it has something to do with control, I think. Like, Barstool represented a threat to sort of, and I don't always mean this like there's a cabal of people that want to control what you say or control sports media, but all of a sudden, for so many people, it felt out of control. And you represented, you know, dudes, not politically correct, not playing by the rules, and you represented, I think, in a way, a lot of loss of control and then you you may you found yourself because of that on the approved attack list. Yeah, I mean, it's not a coincidence to keep happening. You go back to this business insider, but you want to talk about how deep things can go. And for those who don't know, Business Insider wrote two hit pieces vicious on me that both dropped at the time were owned by Penn Entertainment, publicly traded company. And they both hit pieces dropped the day before earnings. I mean, yeah. That That just doesn't happen unless there is a calculated plan of attack to disrupt not only me, but people I do business with. This isn't just a a thought piece to try to reveal an evil guy. There's a lot of thought that went into whatever that is with players that I'll never understand fully who was involved. But two hit pieces that spent over a year and a half in the making drop hours before earnings. And the first one dropped at like 20%. I mean, that is not an accident. All right, two th- quick things on the way out. So pizza reviews, um, we talked about earlier. I know there was the thing with the guy who got mad at you and that went viral and that played into your hands. Is it all? Everything plays into your hands somehow. Um, but I'm curious, is there anything, I would never have thought this. Some of my guys who produced the show with me told me this. Is there a thing like where some people think the pizza reviews are bad for business? I would think all publicity is good publicity, but like you give a six, is it really hurt the business? Is there a thing no, with some pizza shops no. out there not liking you? No, that's that's just that one dragon pizza idiot. Uh, 
the pizza community loves me by and large. I mean, even a bad review, which I used to really get bad reviews. I don't for that very reason. No longer do. And, you know, people who don't like me will say anything. I've had people saying bad for small, that dragon pizza guy. They just don't know what they're talking about. He's like, you're bad for small business. It's like, buddy, I raised 50 million for small business. I didn't do it so I could have that answer in my bag. But what do you, there's a lot of things you can say about me that you may be able to find articles, true or false, that corroborate it to say I'm bad for small business. It's like, what, how do you even respond to that? That's actually the last thing I want to talk to you about. I mean, I mean, man, what you did for small business is a thing that, that, I don't know what you'll feel at the end of your career because, like, you know, we talked about your personality and, you know, you know, if if revenge is a primary motivator. I don't know. Look, man, the older I get, whatever I personally accomplish, ambi- you know, ambitiously has less meaning. It's something about, and I talked, <laughs> I talked about this with The Rock last week. Like, you get something big, you do something big, and all of a sudden you realize you're unimpressed with yourself and what you accomplished. And then there's the things that really matter. Maui meant and does mean a lot to me. We raised money. We gave back. I have to imagine, Dave, like the gratitude that you received, but not just that, the good that you did with that small business fund. I mean, I don't know if you want it to lead your obituary, but I would have to imagine it's got to be one of the things in this world that you're like, this is this is one of the reasons I'm here. This is one of the reasons I'm on earth. Yeah, that that has been a blessing, and I still run into people probably once a week who either were directly affected, know somebody, and it's certainly rewarding. At the same time, it, it was one of those things we didn't plan out. How could anyone plan it out? And the the help we got from our readership, so it's almost embarrassing. Yeah, we did it, but it it we were in the position to do it with our fan base. Yes, and, and you know it it was it was something I'm very proud of, uh, and. and I, I think it is an easy answer. If you look back, say, what's the most uh, thing you're most proud of in the 20 years you've been doing it? It's that because it wasn't just one people. It saved really a lot, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, employees, families, and it, it made a difference and we see it every day still. So yeah, that, that means a lot. It really does. All right, man, listen, uh, I'm a fan. I hope you, I like you. I, I want you to know I like you. Okay. So I like, like you. you Let's just keep it on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm a fan, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you do, where you take Barstool. To the moon, man. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. There goes Dave Portnoy, El Presidente of Barstool Sports. Coming up, Somalia first or America first? The treason of Congresswoman Ilan Omar, next on The Will Kane Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Somalia first versus America first. It's the Will Kane show streaming live at foxnews.com and Fox News YouTube channel always on demand. Will Kane show on YouTube. Put that into your search function, find old episodes or interviews of the Will Kane show, but also you can listen to it on podcast at Apple, Spotify or at Fox News podcast. Go hit subscribe and that will show up directly into your feed. People who know they are Somalians first, Muslims second. Somewhere presumably After that priority comes America. That, according to Congresswoman from Minnesota, Ilan Omar. 
in a speech that she gave, not in English, she said, my answer to Somalians is that the U.S. government will only do what Somalians in the U.S. tell them to do, explaining how she represents the priority of Somalians through the prism of Somalians in America and using the apparatus of the United States government to effectuate the interests of Somalians. How is that not treason? It seems to me that the primary interest of a politician is to literally represent America first. It's not just a political philosophy or a campaign slogan for Donald Trump. It should be a guiding philosophy for those elected to represent the American people. Unless we think this is something that is partisan in nature, I did not approve, and I said it on air, when Congressman Brian Mast of Florida, a veteran whose service is appreciated and whose loyalties are not questioned, but symbolically wore the military uniform of Israel, of the IDF, on the floor of Congress. No, that is not America first. I don't want to see a foreign flag waved on the floor of our capital. I don't want to see a foreign military uniform, regardless of that uniform, no matter who that is. Certainly foe, but not even ally on the floors of the United States Congress, because I don't think it is... I find it so absurd, and I don't know if anything I'm saying could be taken into some controversial context, but it blows my mind to think that there's anything controversial about your job as an elective representative is to represent the interests of America first. But we're in this wild moment where we're torn between two extremes painted as rational with the common sense middle, and I'm not talking about the normal milk toast moderate stuff, but the common sense moderate position of, hey, you know what? You know what I think is pretty good? The United States is somehow controversial. On one end of the spectrum, you've got the globalist, the person that believes that humanity is one. There's no such thing as borders and that we should invite anyone in from any part of the country or any part of the world for a better life. That we should attempt to engineer through the World Economic Forum or the United Nations a better world for everyone. And of course, that will require the compromise of some for the benefit of others. And the primary benefit will go to those who are in charge of that social engineering. That's the worldview of the globalist that it rejects America first. On the other end of the spectrum, we have, quite honestly, the new left, uh, which the globalist is also the left, but this is ethnic tribalism. This is dividing us according to our skin, our, our ethnic community, and, and suggesting that's the way and the prism through which we should see the world, represented best here by Ilan Omar. Somalia first, Muslim second. I don't think she fully explained where down the line comes American. And the, the common sense middle that's painted as controversial is to be a nationalist. Now, that somehow that word carries, I don't know, I don't know what it carries, a negative connotation in some way? To believe in America, that this is our tribe, that we as a people have set aside our superficial racial and ethnic tribal differences and don't see ourselves in our common culture and our protection and attempt to create a better world as one that necessarily includes, oh, say, Switzerland. That there's something unique and common about us here in this nation. And that we shouldn't go around 
jumbling our priorities. I, I mean, you know, I, I have friends. I'm like, you know, who do you root for in the Olympics? Who do you root for in the World Cup? I don't understand living in the United States and being an American citizen and saying Mexico or saying Israel. I don't saying you can't root for those places of your, I don't know, familial heritage. But what about when they play America, the place that you live, the nation where, forget pay taxes, where you are capable of succeeding. I don't like it when Americans don't seem to understand the order of hierarchical priority. But I think it's treasonous when a politician says that they use the American government as a tool to answer the interests of a foreign country. The full quote from Congresswoman Ilan Omar. My answer to Somalians was that the U.S. government will only do what Somalians in the United States tell them to do. They will do what we want and nothing else. They must follow our orders, and that is how we will safeguard the interests of Somalia. At a minimum, that is not America first. At a maximum, that is a philosophy that is inherently treasonous. Coming up, a post-game film breakdown session of our interview with Dave Portnoy with the boys here on The Will Cain Show. Welcome back to The Will Cain Show, streaming live on YouTube and at foxnews.com. On demand, Will Cain Show on YouTube or on podcast at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. Hit subscribe on any of those channels and hit the Will Cain Show straight into your feed. We just spent 40 minutes with the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. We talked about everything under the sun, his entrepreneurial adventure in creating Barstool Sports, some of the inner dynamics and drama today of Barstool Sports, what he thinks about Trump, what he thinks about Biden, and his fight against the mainstream media, why he is a available target for everyone in the mainstream media. I want to bring in the crew, the boys, for this post-game film session. Uh, Two-a-days, Dan and young James, establishment James, back in New York, and Conspiracy Patrick in Florida. Uh, All right, boys, what'd you think? Go ahead, Patrick. I I just really love Dave. Um, I love everything about him. I think that, I mean, maybe as a Southerner, I'm not quite... You know, we we're way more passive aggressive. I like the directness that he has. Um, Are you? I a feel Southern? like I love is his entrepreneurial spirit. Southern? Yeah, is that t- is that count? Does that count? Do what? I mean, I don't think of Jacksonville, Florida, as <laughs> Alabama, one in the same. No, it's like South. It's like South Georgia. We're not like Florida cuts off uh, at like Orlando. So like Dave's in a different Florida than I am. You're like the South Light. Yeah, but I've I, yeah. I understand the panhandle is southern. Like, you know, I get that <laughs> area. I just never I never met somebody from Jacksonville but like, hey, Southerner. <laughs> it's it's exactly the same. I mean, like you look at Florida Gator fans, they wear jorts and you know, have mullets. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Okay. Um no <laughs> what what I took away from Dave, the thing he said about Barstools, being cool for twenty years is really hard. I mean, doing what they did yeah. and staying 
important and relevant that long is pretty crazy, especially because kids get older. I mean, they could be mm-hmm. big with the younger kids, like the college kids, but those college kids get older and they're still listening and watching. So it's really hard what they did. And, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see that. Hear him talk I really like how they, how they churn talent out, you know, the SNL, uh, thing he was talking about, how he kind of envisioned them being a place where, you know, talent would eventually rise out like Chevy Chase and he would just bring more talent in and he just has to get them younger. And, um, you know, I, I can imagine well, how hard that is. You as know, like Dave Portnoy. I think with like such a big, you know, I'm going to forget. I'm yeah. going to forget, but I, I think about their tent poles and obviously big cat PFT Dave himself. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some others, but you know, like it's true. They have begun to develop new people like Caleb Presley and Jersey Jerry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a development of a talent pipeline, which is pretty unique. Yeah. And, and I mean, like he's right. Jenna Marbles was like one of the first big YouTubers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Pat McAfee is a massive star right now and they all started at Barstool. So, you know, you gotta, I always kind of didn't give them the same, credit for talent building in some ways. Like I thought, you know, you have your big cats and, you know, wh- wh- who else do you really have? But, you know, I would, I undersold them in some ways. So I, um, I was interested in his answer on Trump and, and politics, mm-hmm. not just cause not because I'm political. I actually thought the personality analysis of him and Trump being kind of similar mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah, I know. I mean, they both too have kind of had, a way where when they want something, they go after it and they just bluster their way through and through sheer force of will eventually it gets to that point. But there's also a patience to it too and not backing down when you don't think it's going somewhere. And he's gone a very different route than a lot of people in life and has done a lot better than 99.9% of people. And Nikki Haley um, guy. Who yeah, was that? I was... <laughs> she's too establishment I didn't, for me. I didn't I, pick, I couldn't do that. I, if I had to guess Dave's answer, I would have guessed something like Vivek. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't picture Dave for establishment, Nikki. <laughs> you know. I thought. I thought it was but, really funny. I mean, you boss. Go ahead. Dan. No, I thought it was really funny when you were asking about his looks getting better <laughs> as he got older. I was like, Hey, listen, is he going to take I, it this way? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think Dave BSs. I think no. he normally tells the truth. I don't. I don't. But. I'm I having he, trouble with that one. I think he gave a PG I'm having answer. trouble with... <laughs> I'm, you're telling me you don't work out. You don't really... That's crazy. Um, pay attention to your diet. You just don't eat bad stuff anymore. And you just moderated your Adderall, and that's added up. <laughs> or no, the Adderall helped him lose weight, and he kept it on. Yeah. There's, there's got to be private chefs and trainers. I think he gave and, us a PG answer it, to why he lost weight, but... We wouldn't say that. And he's a Florida guy. Nice. You're telling me there's no HGH in there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just, is tan, just, just like you will. the one baguette. That's all you have to do. Just take Am out the one yeah. giant loaf of bread, and you can lose. Yeah. A little sourdough. <laughs> it was, That's why they it do just do baguettes. It's that just one problem. bite of pizza. That's why. So he's not doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> European moderates his intake. Oh, uh, no, I appreciated that. I, I appreciated the introspection on also, like, what kind of leader he is, if he's willing to jump back into the into the breach and grind out what it is. It's it's a way different world. that he, The barstool he's entered is very different than the barstool he created. It's just, it's different to bring something from the bottom up than to jump up at the top and try to keep it there or evolve it from there. Um, but he's 100% right about their asset being that they're quick, they're nimble, um, because big corporations are, are simply are not. 
ESPN never could be. Never could be with them. Um, I love the conversation with Dave Portnoy. Go check it out. It's on demand. It'll be on YouTube. It's going to be on podcast, Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. You can hear the whole 40-minute conversation. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, if you're interested in barstool sports, if you're interested in politics, it's got it all in there. If you're interested in the media. That's going to do it for us today here on The Will Kane Show. Coming up tomorrow, a big extended episode of Will and Pete. I have my buddy Pete Hegseth here on The Will Kane Show. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcast and Amazon Prime members. You can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.